But at the end of the day, you may have studies behind you, but you still are, as a behaviorist, solving the problem for someone who has one. Yeah. And yeah. research might help you, and it may not help you at all. Yeah, because so every situation is different. Right? Right? These right? are problem-solving skills with yeah. an understanding of what basic behavioral needs are and basic feline behavior is. Sorry for saying Sorry Media presents the Purr Podcast, the best podcast for feline medicine and surgery with tips, tricks, and updates for the entire veterinary healthcare team. If you're dying to know more about cats, keep on listening. Here are your hosts, Dr. Susan Little, famous cat vet and textbook author, and Dr. Yola Kirpenstein, talented surgeon and social media geek. Hi, this is Dr. Susan Little. And Dr. Yola Kirpenstein. And we have with us somebody that I've been waiting to have with us for a while. And this is really cool. It is. So we have Dr. Terry Curtis with us. And the reason that I'm excited that Terry's with us is because we have never yet in our podcast talked about feline behavior. Do you believe it? No, I can't even believe it. I know. I I knew you'd be shocked. (laughs) Yes. Although we didn't start this podcast podcast that long ago and we have a lot of new things going on, but I agree. I think, I think Mm -hmm. Terry is probably mortified. That it's taken really. I would leave. I would like to leave now. Yes. yes. <laughs> see, see, she cannot she's speak. Declining. She cannot speak. We have thirty minutes of silence now. Yeah, That's thirty it. minutes of silence. Yeah. That's it. I have nothing to say. Yeah. <laughs> so behavior is important. Um, it is the most important. It's. The, Let's rephrase that, Susan. <laughs> so behavior is number one. Yes. It is. Yeah, it really is. So if you're dead, none of these other things matter. <laughs> mm. That's so true. Mm. I like the way you think. Yeah. yeah. So the, so I've been very excited because we haven't talked about behavior yet, so that's good. And also because I think the person that I've learned more about feline behavior from is you than anybody else, I think. And because of your, I just, I love your insights and I love your way, I, I love your videos. Because <laughs> 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 after all, what is a description of behavior without a video? There isn't. Mm. I know. I, yeah, so this and woman so has the best. And so that will be really Difficult though because we're talking and there's no visual. So whenever we talk about something, you really need to kind of audibly, yeah, audible visual, yeah. visualize. I cannot speak anymore. <laughs> has been yeah, I know it, it has day. been a long day. But you're gonna have you to know, be It's 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 very exciting, yeah. and I, I also think there's so many questions about feline behavior. Yes. So you know, hello. Yeah. There yeah. is. Terry know. has the best cat pee behavior mm-hmm. videos. I really? do. You really do. Yeah. I, and you know, and very few people it's a gift. can. It's can, a gift. Very few people can actually say that on their CV. I mm. have the best mm. collection of cat pee videos. I, I love do. that. I love that. All right. So, uh, number one cat behavior problem. It is pee. It is yeah. peeing yep. of one kind or another. So before we go into the peeing thing, which I love, uh, let's introduce yourself a little bit oh, to yeah. our See, wonderful I'm so audience. See, i to talk about behavior. I've been giving like her a know? chance. Tell us whatever you want to know. Yeah, so you we, want to, what do you want this us is to an know about open yourself? mic. Yeah. Open mic. It's up to you. Uh, yeah. yeah, we've heard everything, trust me. So, Start with your name. My name is Terry Curtis. <laughs> Start with the easy things. <laughs> she I, lives in Florida. I live in Florida. I live in, <laughs> do you need to know where? Sure. St. Augustine, Florida. Yeah, that way yeah, you don't, don't do your address because I get all the fan mail. No. I am faculty at the <clears> University of Florida. Vet school in Gainesville. Go Aggies. I have been a veterinarian for 25 years. I've been a behaviorist for 15, 16 years. Mm-hmm. So 19 years if you count residency. So I've been doing this for a while. A while? Yep. That is awesome. So why behavior? Because um, you didn't start off. No, I didn't start off. I didn't start off in behavior. I started off in feline practice. And so I was working with cats and I found that 
much, if not most, of the problems I encountered were behavior, and I did not get a behavior um, foundation in vet school, yeah. and that was very frustrating, and I wanted to help my clients, so things didn't work out in the practice that I was in, and I said, let's do something else, and so I went and got a residency in behavior, and the rest is history. Who, who did you uh, work with in behavior in Florida for your residency? I actually did uh, my residency in Georgia. Ah, oh, okay. So Sharon Carl Davis. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. Cyber. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Cool. cool. That, that's pretty. And do you think that, uh, because that was a while ago, uh, do you think now in universities behavior is taught everywhere? Mm -hmm. Is it better? Or is it still. Absolutely not. Um, a lot of universities don't have behavior. No. Right? Um, I, I think I was number 30-something as far as the number of behaviors there were back in 2003. Mm -hmm. There's now maybe 80-something, so yeah. 50 in 15 years. Yeah, yeah. That's so not a lot. that's not good. So, no. Yeah, yeah. And not even that many in academia. No. Yeah. And, and ladies, uh, just uh, to point out, uh, we need to direct our attention to the little microphone that we have here <laughs> because I can see a kind of a fluctuation in the sound. And, so, and we'll get comments. Uh, and, okay. and yes. Yeah, we'll comments. get comments. All right. You can tell who's the technical person. Mm -hmm. Okay. That, that's yeah. exactly it. So, so there is not enough behavior education. Um, I guess that the behavior education in Florida is excellent. Well, in Florida, the, there is a required course for the freshmen and then mm -hmm. there's a, an elective course for the juniors. Um, which is a clinically based course, and so yeah, they get an option to to learn about behavior, which mm. is great. Mm -hmm. mm. Um, so you went to Utrecht mm -hmm. for your undergrad degree. Mm -hmm. Did you get? Do you remember how much behavior you got? Yeah, we got quite a lot different? of behavior, as a matter of fact. So we mm -hmm. had. I remember that we had uh, behavior in what we call them the. Uh, we have a six-year program, so the first two years we got behavior, and it was behavior not for it was species covering so there was yeah. all the species so we got yeah. i can remember clearly equine behavior i can remember bovine behavior mm. uh dog and cat obviously we had a you know some of the we had even had a uh, a kennel with some some cases oh. and was very hands-on so we got quite a lot of behavior yeah. but which you said a mouthful i mean a mm -hmm. six-year program yeah. is probably where we need to be yeah 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 there's not enough time to get no we're still in. we're struggling to fit a lot of things into yeah. the current curriculum let alone behavior right yeah. and, and the one thing i remember was that france de waal came to lecture the students france de waal is the one that is part of the chimpanzee colony okay. in Holland. He's uh, very well known okay. because he, they were one of the first ones that described chimpanzee behavior yeah. in the group and yeah. that sort of things. And it's just unbelievable. That was just an eye opener. And that was in my first year. They exposed us to, you know, how you can see how other species behave and then relate either to you okay. or to those. Mm -hmm. so, yeah, yeah. so I think you wow. did a good job. You did it really well. Yeah. yeah. We had good behavior instructors at the University of Guelph. We just didn't have enough time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Don McEwen and uh, uh, Dr. Lucier, just not enough time. But then I do think that <clears throat> if I then recall how much feline behavior about, uh, it almost went down to zero because it's mainly focused on dogs. <gasps> God forbid. I'm the only one that's allowed to say oh, it. Oh, he's allowed to say it. Okay. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. But I also no, think that that there's not a lot known about feline behavior. It's mm -hmm. not it's not studied all that much and mm. I think there's still very subtle signaling when it comes to cats trying to figure out what they're trying to communicate I don't I think a lot of what we think we know we don't know at all mm. Mm. you know so that was an eye-opener for me 
as I've been um, editing textbooks in recent years, and um, uh, one textbook with a very big behavior section in it. And that was a real eye-opener for me, the dearth of literature, mm -hmm. right? And the dearth of like good literature mm -hmm. on feline behavior. So that was when I realized, as you say, that a lot of what we think we know or a lot of what we say like every day, mm -hmm. we're not grounded in evidence. No. Yeah, yeah. Well, so, so why is that? Like, why do we not get enough behavior um, research, investigation, what, what's the issue? I don't think you have to go very far to get to the answer being money. Mm. Mm. It's always economics. Yeah. So maybe with the number of cat-owning households, if, as that increases, and they become the number one pet, yeah. then people want to know more about who they're spending their time with, yeah. um, that the research will come. But there's also, I think, when it comes to people and cats, there's not a lot of expectations. Uh -huh. And so cats can get away with a lot. Not, not that they do get away with a lot, but they just get to do normal things that cats get to do where dogs, the, the stakes are higher. Yeah, yeah, you're expected to go for a walk. Right. You're expected to right. go in the car. You're expected to right. do things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of, yeah, a lot of commands that, that dogs have to follow. Cats, yeah. not yeah. so much. Yeah. Yeah. So you think that, that people mm -hmm. are easier in giving up, okay, this cat has really strange behavior, just really let him alone and... and, and and that's it. So. Yeah, or just they're just so it doesn't it doesn't matter. Their their mm. behavior is like my cat does this weird thing. Mm. Who cares? Until they pee outside, they're the not box. hurting anybody, right? Yeah. So circling but, back to pee. But yep. no, no. Before we go there, I do think that although we get very little education in vet school, it's not a reflection on how many questions you get as a mm. vet. No, not at all. And so this is once again mm. this disconnect between. Mm studies and the real world yeah. and this is where you come in and mm -hmm. and make that huge difference because i think i'm so happy we talk about it because how how important is feline behavior in the clinic in like in general practice yeah oh it's going to be the thing that kills cats the most i mean it's going to they're not going to see their fifth birthday or whatever it is yeah. if they start urine marking and which is a normal behavior and Urinating outside the box, which is normal if you're not giving a you're not giving them a desirable place to mm. pee and poop. So yeah, it's a bit of a sad fact, isn't it, in mm -hmm. North America that more cats will die because of a behavior? Mm -hmm. That's crazy. Same thing with it's dogs. True. I mean, yeah, yeah. But anyway, yeah. So it's yeah. not like it's not cancer. It's not heart disease. <laughs> yeah. No, and the yeah. thing is, if we're it, not again, changing your behavior. If, these, yeah. <laughs> if the cats are dying because of a behavior problem, yeah. you're not going to be able to do surgery and radiology yeah, and yeah. dentals and cancer and all that other yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, so do you think urinary issues are number one? Yes, or, or close. How so? Let's issues. say elimination issues. Mm. Yes. Mm. Mm. Mm -hmm. And do you think there's a difference, because I'm from a European background mm. where most of our feline furry friends are part-time inside, have, yeah, and often access. they're outside. But even outside cats mm -hmm. often will come inside if a litter box is provided. Yeah. They, mm. They've learned to eliminate yeah. there, so they have access to outside, they still come in. Yeah. And so I don't know how much of a, yeah, difference, a difference that makes. Yeah. And, and this is where research is great, and mm -hmm. I, I did it myself, and I looked at feline behavior and grooming behavior and things like that. But at the end of the day, you may have studies behind you, but you still are, as a behaviorist, solving the problem for someone who has one. Yeah. And mm -hmm. research might help you, and it may not help you at all. Yeah, because so every situation is different. Right? These right? are problem-solving skills with yeah. an understanding of what basic behavioral needs are and basic feline behavior is. I think you have to be quite inventive sometimes, totally. right? Totally. Yeah. Because you, if this doesn't work, you, yeah. you can't say, well, I'm done. Yeah. 
Yeah. Like, well, that's all I have. Yeah. You better have more than just one. Yeah, you better have more than one trick in your right. in your back pocket, right? Absolutely. And so, um, it I, I would think, and and in our practice, we often do this. Like home visits are really helpful. I only do house calls. Yeah. So yeah. I um, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah wow. it's, it seems perfectly suited, doesn't yeah. it? Well, you just go, and, and what you not only see the situation, but then you can be very specific about your recommendations. And, and, and that's, I think, the other thing is I do as a behaviorist as opposed to um, what I've seen primary veterinarian, their stumbling block mm. is, is that they don't, they're not adamant about what needs to be done. Mm. It's like, well... Why don't you try this? I, I never say that. I say yeah. this is you. You need to do this. This is what you do. This is what you do. <laughs> yeah. This is what you're paying me for. I'm going to tell you exactly what to yeah. do. Yeah. 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 And, and I think we need to be feel more comfortable in saying that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think often too, like general practice veterinarians um, struggle a little bit more. So so we learn like the stuff at lectures. You know, like you do this, you do. This. But when you when you try to bring it down to like that lady and her house. And the way her house is laid out, and mm -hmm. how that's where the struggle is. But right? it shouldn't be. That should be. Oh, oh I have no. this, and I know exactly where. I, this is where we should put the box. But I also will go in and say, where will it work for you? I don't want you to have mm -hmm. a, a litter box in your kitchen necessarily yeah, yeah. or in your dining room. Yeah. So I'm not going to tell you to put one there. Yeah. So what are my options? Give me some options, and then I'll tell you where I think it should go. But you, you've got to. I don't know. You have to take the rein. You. They don't know what to do, which is why you're talking to them. Yeah, absolutely. So you need yeah. to be able to tell them what to do. Just like we would for any other condition. Right. Right? Mm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So if elimination issues are really common, which they are, so what do you? What would you say are the, let's say, the top three mistakes owners make when it comes to their, whatever they're like, their behavior or their management of the situation So if is. we're talking peeing outside the yeah. box, yeah. the number one is the box is too small, yeah. the box has a hood, or on the box is not where the cat lives. Yeah. So we tend to put litter boxes where we want them to be, mm -hmm. right? And my other out, pet, out of the way, out of the way. Mm -hmm. And my other pet peeve is we like to get these litter boxes that are like really novel or unusual or they're small, and we pay no attention to the end user. The end user should be deciding. The right, litter but, box. but uh, along what you just said, if you're going to do novel, I have owners get um, kitty sandboxes, so like child ah. sandboxes in the shape of a turtle or in the shape of a crab oh and they're huge and mm. they're fun and you can put them on the porch or you can put them in the playroom or you can put them somewhere yeah. and it's just this big crab full of sand, <laughs> sand. that the cat loves and yeah. it's huge. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, they're always having so fun. So it's comparing the, the little thingy in the corner yeah. to this beautiful yeah, sandbox yeah. and it says, Hmm, maybe not the one in the corner. Let's yeah. go for the big yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. what my owner wants yeah. me to do. Exactly. Okay, I have a hard question for you. Automated litter boxes, like you know, the self clean. Mm -hmm. Yes or no? No. <laughs> why? <laughs> that was, <laughs> that quite, was quick. Quite, yeah. Well, you didn't have to think I remember about that one. we actually tried it in practice. Um, the owner of the the feline practice um, took one home, and um, think pretty quickly on her cat had a bout of diarrhea. And diarrhea in one of those self-cleaning boxes is a oh. mess. And so you get diarrhea along every one of those little combs. Oh, times. it would never have so occurred to me. Big doesn't work. And it's, also from a size perspective, the, the litter mate is taking up quite a... Am I allowed to say litter mate? Well, it, that mm. or whatever. There's, oh, whatever. There's different ones. That's the yeah. only one I know. Yeah. But, so the, the, the box itself, the contraption itself is very large, but the, yeah. the actual space... That the cat has to eliminate is pretty tiny. So yeah. my perspective is, if you're going to allot that much room for a litter box, then get a 
litter box that's at least that big. Yeah, where the real the real estate is right, the real, real estate, estate the, cat, the cat can use. Yeah, Although yeah. I do have to say that I've talked with owners that have one that the cat is using and obviously didn't get diarrhea. I'm really <laughs> happy with them. So sure. I mean, there's there's well, a range of problem, things. Yeah. It's not a problem. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. If there's a problem, yes, you don't want to. Then you use go them. in and say this isn't going to work. Yeah. And the other thing I have to say is that I the funniest social media. I'm a lot on social media. The funniest social media thing that I've seen lately was the fact that I think it was Jessica Fogelson, Dr. Jessica Fogelson, fantastic person, was describing what the iRobot did with her oh, dog's diarrhea. Oh my gosh. Oh, Smear so it all over? It was everywhere. Oh my gosh. And so she said, do, do I just throw out the whole <laughs> iRobot? <laughs> or do I throw out my whole house? Yeah. Or what shall I do now? <laughs> That's hundreds, oh, yeah, hundreds of dollars, I think. Consequences. Isn't it nice yeah, yeah, yeah. if you think about that? Yeah, and yeah. so... I would just... I would put a frame around it, call it art, and, and <laughs> yes, there you go. That's it. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yes yeah. in fact. But, the, you know, we all see the little picture of the iRobot with the cat on top, which is very funny running around right. in the... But that's not... I mean, you don't think about if it goes wrong, yeah, it yeah. can go wrong really, really You know what you're making me think of? This is something I thought of the other day. Um, a lot of the stuff that looks funny on social media, you know, like funny, like videos of oh, cats. Yeah. Do, not, you, funny. not funny. Not funny. Not mm funny. -hmm. Not funny. It's Even with that other species, not yeah. funny. Yeah. No. It's an animal that's scared yep. or... Yep. Or, or, or displaying really inappropriate behavior. Mm -hmm. so it's not you, just me. You see that yeah, too. No, I don't laugh much. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you look at those videos yeah. probably with a completely oh, different Oh, and, and, and when I play videos, whether it's for a veterinary audience or for a, a, a student audience, um, and there is, you know, some laughter. It's like, I, you know, I, I get it. Mm -hmm. I get it from your perspective, but yeah. let's step back and now yeah. look at it from the perspective of the of individual the that you've just been recording. And, you know, we are veterinarians, mm. uh, typically, who I'm talking yeah. to. So let's, you know. Let's be a veterinarian and look at it with this. those eyes. Yeah. 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 So that that actually is, uh, it's a bit traumatizing yeah. to me. Yeah. yeah. Watching some of these things mm -hmm. on social media mm. now. Yep. Yeah. Not yeah. Yeah. But I'm not the only one. No, you're not the only yeah. one. The Wind Feline Foundation has been funding cat health studies for 51 years. If you have a cat or have ever treated a cat, nearly everything we know was once funded by this nonprofit, totaling about $6.5 million. From understanding retroviruses, FELV and FIV, to more recently targeting gene defects responsible for HCM in the Ragdoll and Maine Coon breeds. The Wind Feline Foundation Pet Memorial Program offers veterinary professionals an opportunity to reassure clients that their beloved cats have not been forgotten, and those dollars support health studies that benefit the lives of all cats. Contributions totaling $150 or more receive a certificate suitable for framing or display in your clinic. Imagine being able to treat kidney disease more effectively, using stem cell therapy to cure stomatitis, or drugs to treat FIP are actually within grasp. Consider your support in telling your clients about the Win Feline Foundation and a free newsletter at winfelinefoundation.org. So, so litter box is in the wrong place, litter box is the wrong size. Yep. Um... Typically, what you want is a, a box that's one and a half times the size of the cat. Yeah, it's magic number, apparently. Yep, it is a yep, magic number. Yep. And including so the tail, length of the tail? Not including the not tail. Not including the tail. Because <laughs> this is, you know, this Obviously. question comes yeah. off, does it include the length of the tail? Well, include the length of the tail. <laughs> 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 Even better. Even better. You can't go wrong. Okay. So, 
But if you watch a cat in in nature, if you're going to look at one or, of the cat or one video, of your videos, right? I mm -hmm. mean, if you, and you watch them, and you watch them, the thing that that you're you're that you see immediately is how much room they use yeah. in the real world. Yeah, and they're moving around, and they're taking sand from all over the place, and they're turning around, and they don't they can't do that in a box. That's, yeah, and they're digging, they're, digging, they're sniffing, they're, they're covering. Stuff. It's a whole like it deal. is. It's a ritual. Yeah, it it's a whole deal. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah, but I think very few people think about that. Right? No, and, and I think if people think about, most people would rather have the grand uh, ensuite, the big, huge master bathroom, as opposed to the little yeah. porta potty yeah. at the circus mm. or wherever. You know, case so in point. That's it. So case your cat is point. no different. Yeah, your cat is no different. Absolutely. Give it the ensuite. Yeah. Although I normally don't move the sand in my ass. <laughs> you know, but I, it, you know, you do but, other things yes, that you would sure. like some room yeah, for. Yeah, exactly. I bet if someone were videotaping you, you'd have some... In the sand. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just saying. You'd have some explaining. Yes. <laughs> yeah, be, probably so. There could probably be some so. explaining yeah. to do. Yeah, I had some explaining after yesterday, but you know that... Uh, <laughs> let's not go there. Yeah. So my uh, one of my other pet peeves is litter boxes disguised as furniture. Again, if it works, great. Yeah. But uh, there's ways to do it. So you could have some really big furniture with a <laughs> huge box inside. Yeah. If it's, yeah. yeah. It's often like disguised, you know, as like an end table. Or, right. Yeah, yeah. So to me, it looks, just looks like a, a very stinky cave. Is kind of what exactly. It looks like, right? It, it, yeah. Out of sight, out of mind. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's that principle. Yeah. Yeah. So we have to be thinking more about the cat when we think about litter boxes. So do you think like for... Um, elimination issues let's call them do you think the litter box makes up a big chunk of that or because we we also hear about like substrate preferences location preferences i i would say the box is probably <clears throat> the highest on that and, list. and then in, in substrate sandy clay is probably better than all those know, other wheat yeah whatever they're trying to get a cat to use yeah pretty much if it if the if it works for the owner and the owner likes it the cat will not yeah, <laughs> there's a rule for you. If rule. you like the litter, kitty probably not. They don't. So pine, walnut, yeah, crystals, whatever. crystals, yuck. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. I, you look at that, you think no, really? No. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't even look like sand. No. So the thing that looks most like it's dirt. Sand. Yeah, right. Which is what cats use is dirt. Yes. After then all, it's going to be the best. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes I have to recommend dirt. I had a house soiling case years and years ago now, and that was the thing that solved it. Especially if you're taking an outside cat and making them an yeah. inside cat, because they don't yeah. understand what this stuff is. We put actual dirt in the litter box. There you go. And it worked. Yeah. <clears throat> so multi-cat households, <clears throat> excuse me, because in Canada and the U.S. and many countries around the world, people don't stop at one cat. Nor they should they. Nor should they. It's like potato chips, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So Not that that's all going to always go well. Yeah. But Case in point. That's another that's, topic. That's another topic. So multi-cat households, how many litter boxes? It depends. It depends how big the litter box is. I have three cats. I yeah. have one big litter box, and that's fine. Yeah. Because, one, they all get along, so yeah. I don't have inner cat issues. I don't have a problem with resources. If I have a problem with resources and one cat's not going to go buy the other cat to get to the box, then we've got an issue and we need more than one box. Mm -hmm. So it really depends on the size of the box yeah. and what the issues are. Yeah. So there isn't a magic number. No. No, so that's a good thing to hear. And so that leads me into, we have to understand the dynamics of the social um, relationships amongst cats. Yep. Which is tough. It is. Yeah. yeah. Because it's a, it, there's just no predict. It's like predicting, will three people get along? Yeah. I don't know. Depends Pull them off the street. 
Actually, there's reality TV shows like that, and they right? don't they don't yeah. go well. And they, they, they don't always go well. It's very scripted to a certain degree as well. But, yeah, you could do a cat show like that. I swear. Yeah, yeah. But there's, you know, you're not going to know until those cats get together and behavior changes over time. And I don't think people are always prepared for that. Very Things true. are going well now, and three years from now, yeah. it's not going well. Anymore. Yeah, or one cat gets older, gets yep. sicker, gets. Yeah. I like the idea of serving at home because then you can kind of set up a relationship with an owner or a cat population where you help them not only like now we have a problem but you can come back and then see if it's better or if when the cat new cat gets introduced you can help them with setting up mm -hmm. the rules and the right. sort of things that is a wonderful idea yeah yeah it's got to be a really you, you you have to be like you have to have a leg off like that's a big advantage to mm -hmm. be able to so I know that you've done um, some work with some famous cats. I have. Can you talk about that? I can. Okay. <laughs> so I love this story. So tell us about the famous cats that you have. These are the Hemingway House cats. The Hemingway cats. Oh. Isn't that so exciting? It is exciting. Yeah. So tell us how that happened. Um, well, I this was 2008. Yeah. I got a phone call from someone at the USDA, and he said, would you be interested in helping... Um, the cats down at the Hemingway House in Key West. And I really had no idea where this was going. And I thought, sure. Sure. Why not? <laughs> that's, that's a good answer. I will say anyway, yes Key to West. And within about an hour, um, my phone rang, and it was the Miami Herald. And I thought, what did I just say <laughs> yes to? What have I done? So it was quite a, um, it was a big battle between um, the USDA and uh, a licensing organization and uh, there were cats that were being actually lured off the property and then once they were being lured off the property they were being incarcerated in in, uh, in kitty wow. rescue places and yeah. and the Hemingway house was having to pay fines and things like that to get them back to get them back and so there was this big attack on the Hemingway house about the, the way the cats were being treated yeah. and all of that so um, I basically went down, and uh, again, I knew I was in trouble when I landed, and People Magazine was there, and, <laughs> oh and Nightline was there, and you I thought, lucky person. You know, getting calls from people out in California that, save the cats, don't kill the cats. <laughs> oh no like, pressure. <laughs> I have no intention of killing the cats, and so um, my job was to come up with a plan to keep the cats safe, and... Yeah. Um, so we worked at, on fencing, we put up a perfect fence, we put up a motion detector so the cats couldn't get out the property, uh, optimized their food and water locations, and uh, made sure that there was a census that was being taken all the time so everybody knew what cats were, because there's about 50 cats at mm. any given time. Yeah, yeah. And um, so it was, it was a very global uh, uh, implemented treatment plan and uh, it was just, it was a wonderful experience. The yeah. cats were great. They were being very well taken care of yeah. and um, it was just getting the, the information out to the people who needed to have it and finally the USDA and it was the, the Department of the Interior because Hemingway House is a is a national historic uh, place. That's the connection. So mm. there was the battle between the USDA which governs Places where things are exhibited, yeah. so the cats were being exhibit. considered right. Ah. The cats were being considered an exhibit, and then the Department of the Interior was governing the historic nature of the property. So it was basically having them both agree that whatever I said, they would follow. Follow. Yeah. And so yeah. So was the issue that they were wandering off the property, or they were being lured? Yeah. So people were being because 
to, these are the uh, yeah, polydactyl yeah. cats, and so there's always one or two intact males and one or two intact females. Ah. And so the the person in Key West who had a zero tolerance for yeah. intact cats yeah. was luring these cats gotcha. off the property and, again, kind of setting yeah. the whole place up for yeah. failure. Yeah. And the cats were not leaving the property. Of their own volition. Yeah, 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 yeah. And on the other side of the spectrum, people that are cat hoarding, that have 50 ah. cats in their house. Do yeah, you have to there's, deal with there's, those? Ho there's homes with 50 cats, and mm. then there's homes right. with 50 cats. Right, I mean, cats. the yeah. number in and of itself yeah. doesn't tell me that there is a horrible situation there. I, I have never been called in to a true hoarding situation mm -hmm. where, because chances are no one's going to think they have a problem, so yeah. they're not going to call me. No. Um, but no. it's it's a totally different pathology. I mean, mm -hmm. people who are who are are basically letting cats die because they're totally clueless about yeah. Yeah. what they to don't do see and, what we no, see. They don't yeah. see what. But but yeah. you could certainly have fifty cats. The 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 Hemingway house is, sits on an acre of land, and there's fifty cats on that acre, and there's plenty of room for everybody. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. and and where I did my research for grooming in cats. It was pretty much a normal residential house, maybe a quarter of an acre, and they had 26 cats. They were amazingly taken care of mm -hmm. and well taken mm -hmm. care of, and they were beautiful. Mm -hmm. So. And how long did you do your research for? Um, it was a three-year period. And if you could summarize that in about a minute. What we looked at was grooming and proximity in cats. And these 26 cats, we had five families that, that we knew were related. And I was looking at grooming behavior in cats that were related versus cats that weren't related, and also grooming behavior in cats that had been friends for a long time mm -hmm. versus cats that had just met each other. And the hypothesis was that if you were related or you were buddies, that you would groom more and that you would, you groom, would groom each other groom each more other. Yeah. and mm -hmm. that you would be in proximity with each other more than those that you were not related to or those that you were friends with. And the hypothesis was verified. Yeah. So. So that's it one. It was a duh kind of a thing. Yeah, but it's but it's one way now that we know you can get clues, sure. right? About about but, relationships. But I, let's say something about ally grooming because all we did was document the number of ally grooming bouts, so the number of times a cat groomed another cat. The biggest piece of that puzzle that needs yet to be investigated is what happens after the ally grooming bout because there are some cats that will groom each other and then lay down, but there are other cats that will groom each other and then start to fight. So the question is, what's the, and this is where we're going back to what's the, what is cat language and what yeah. is cat signaling. Yeah. So it's, I think most people think of grooming as an affiliative behavior, but if every time or the vast majority of time, the end of a grooming bout results in a fight, yeah. then we may be totally misreading yeah. Yeah. what's going on. Yeah. I am so happy that you said it because I learned a new word, allo grooming. So you also have auto grooming when auto they groom when they just lick do, themselves, no, and xeno grooming when they lick something else. Another a different species. Can you xeno yeah. groom? I get yeah. I guess oh, we can. Yeah. Hey, we have a new word. Yeah, I love yeah. it. Exciting. Yeah. You got to learn something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Every time. Yeah. No, this is awesome. This yeah. is awesome. So we are at, right at the thirty minute, uh, uh, um, and so I think it that goes so uh, fast. I know, and and, and 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 the guys will be coming in soon, and yeah. so breaking us up. Up, uh, yeah. So, Susan, your last question. Uh, my last question. Um, what feline behavior case sticks with you the most? You know, for good reason, bad reason. Is there a case that just, you know, will stick with you? Man. I mean, I, I would guess the whole Hemingway thing would, but well, maybe there's... Well, that would, but... Yeah. Um, oh, tough question. That is a tough question. <laughs> um, we like to put you actually, on the spot, I, I'm going to... Because this was, this was a case where um, the, the owner was really being attacked 
by her cat. Oh wow! I mean, in a in a really not a on a play way, which yeah. typically if a cat is attacking someone, especially a young cat, yeah. oh, it's it's kind of play. Yeah. But this cat would get very aroused, and I mean, do some pretty horrible damage to uh, to the owner. Um, and the owner was in no way going to get rid of this cat. Was not going to give her up. Was not going to euthanize her. Uh, and so uh, got in there and did the consult, and the cat responded very well to medication and environmental modification. We kind of changed the predictability of the triggers that would set the kitty off. Yeah. And um, I, wow. know they're, I know they're still happy together, and it's been years. But that was, you know, kind of from my perspective as someone who've had cats and, and has been around cats, it's like, really? Your cat's yeah. trying to kill you? Yeah. I find that hard to believe. And yeah. um, so, but, but, it, it, but it was, but it was, yeah, it was, yeah, and those often um, are really difficult situations mm -hmm. to deal with. So to have a great outcome, wow, yeah. I can see why it sticks with yeah. you. Yeah, good one. That yeah. that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, yesterday we were talking with Mary Gardner, yeah. uh, and 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 we asked her, so what? How we were talking about euthanasia, mm -hmm. obviously, and how do you euthanize a oh, aggressive, aggressive cat? Yeah, and yeah. it was amazing. It's so simple, yeah. and we yeah. don't think about it. So yeah, we always... so she, so they'll they'll often put um, like drugs in food, yeah, um, or just like whatever you can squirt in the cat's mouth. So yeah. they have a whole protocol for animals yeah. like you, it's not safe to touch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So they, they've got that all worked out. So and I think this this fits really well. We started this podcast because there's so many questions about cats and there's experts, but not everybody is able to listen to the experts all the time. Yeah. And there is books, but not everybody reads their books. No. So, yes. so this and is education really... is everything. So however yeah. you need to get it out yeah, there. That's mm -hmm. right. That's, that's exactly right. it. Yeah. And uh, so sorry that we only have 30 minutes. This was fantastic, but yeah. we would love to have you back. Yeah. Because there's so many more. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We can do many podcasts on behavior. Yeah. 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 Go. And I so know. I promise you, this will not be the only feline behavior podcast. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. It. yeah. That's now, it. Now, now we're hooked. Now we're hooked. Totally. Totally. Yeah. So right. thank you very You're much, welcome. Terry. Thank you. Yes. Thank you so much. And uh, we see our audience in yeah. about two weeks yeah. again. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Well. Thank All right. you. The opinions of this podcast are those by Dr. Susan Little and Dr. Yola Kirpenstein. Veterinary medicine is a complex profession, and often there are multiple diagnostic and therapeutic options for different disease processes. If you're a pet owner with questions, please go to your local veterinarian. If you're a veterinary professional, ask your questions on our Instagram page, at Her Podcast. Dr. Susan Little is a feline medicine specialist with two cat-only hospitals in Ottawa, Canada. She is best known as an international speaker and as the author and editor of two textbooks, The Cat, Clinical Medicine and Management, and August, Consultations in Feline Internal Medicine. Along with three cats, she also admits to owning two dogs, and you can follow her on social media with the handle at CatVetSusan. Dr. Yerla Kirpenstein is a diplomate of the American and European College of Veterinary Surgeons and a big cat fan. His specialties range from surgical oncology and reconstruction to minimally invasive surgery. He is the author of two textbooks on basic and reconstructive surgery. Did you know he was allergic to cats? Yola works currently at Hills Pet Nutrition. You can follow him on social media with the handle at GVETSX. 